Hey everybody, 2022 is getting to be a pretty busy time for the producers of this show. We still have a lot of great episodes to share, but we're going to slow down our publishing schedule for the year, airing a new episode of Ephemeral the first Monday of each month. So the next episode will be July 4th, then August 1st, and so on. As always, thanks for listening. Ephemeral is a production of iHeart 3D Audio. Today's guest is one of the most prolific artists I've ever met. I'm subject to boredom. I'm bored a lot. And I don't live it well. <laughs> to avoid this boredom, I produce music. My name is Rose. I'm a French producer of free music with a lot of nicknames, a lot of different projects. If you've listened to Ephemeral for a while, you've heard a lot of Rose's work. Usually, I credit the artist Monplaisir and cite the website loyaltyfreakmusic.com. But that's a little misleading. In the last 11 years or so, Rose has released over 200 albums under the guise of almost 20 different pseudonyms. Why so many aliases? It's weird, but I have a lot of good ideas of band names. Like, you are at a party with friends, you are super drunk, and like, you have... <gasps> that must be the new name of your band. I'm the person who takes this as a true thing. Like, you tell me, this is your new band name. Okay, I'll do the album tomorrow. I wanted to do a, a lot of stuff. Many, many things. I love recording music, and I produce stuff fast. So I had the feeling that I needed to create a lot of nicknames because I wanted to separate a lot of my music. My first one was Alpha Hydrae. My first album was called La Dictature de l'Ennui, the Boredom Dictatorship. After that, I took the nickname of Mon Plaisir to release like 80 albums, something like that. And after that, I embraced the name of Rose Azerti. It's like my name on the internet right now. But I have also Komiku, Soft and Furious, PG du 7-2, Demoiselle d'Honneur, Frédéric Lardon, Comme Jospin, Anonymous 420, Dance Floor is Lava, A Tape Full of Mistakes, Chienne Errante, Cycla Woman, and there's maybe a few others. Besides the sheer amount and variety of Rose's music, the other thing you should know about their project is that almost everything Rose makes has been released for free, without restrictions. The majority of this music is available to everyone to adapt, remix, and reuse however one wants. With such a staggering output, you might wonder where Rose caught the musical bug that would develop into this obsession. I feel like music was kind of my thing when I discovered Dirty Album from Sonic Youth and uh, Lothing Stock from Tok Tok. I had like really crazy uh, moment with Affex Twin uh, Come to Daddy EP and the greatest hit from Placebo. There were a moment where I was like, okay, music is haunting me when I found the website radioblog.club. 
there was users creating playlists with a lot of not really legal music at this moment but there was like a playlist just blowing my mind with Jane Doe from Converge like a really harsh metalcore song I didn't listen to something so violent at this moment it was like oh wow something like this exists And I listened to my first moment of noise music with a remix of Mogwai Fear Satan by My Bloody Valentine. It was like, okay, this is the stuff I want to live for. Creating music, it was in high school. I was 17, learning to play drum for a band with my friends. I took a guitar and tried to improvise with another friend. And uh, this is the moment I knew guitar was the instrument I wanted to work on and improvisation was uh, I want to do that for the rest of my uh, boring days. What instruments have you picked up since then? I mean I see a bunch of instruments behind you and I know your music is very eclectic in terms of instrumentation. Right here you have several type of guitar, fretless bass, tenor saxophone. I know how to play guitar, but I play bass like a guitarist play bass, and I play saxophone like a guitarist play saxophone. <laughs> I have like keyboard, toy keyboards too. I've done a lot of music with this keyboard right here. Yeah. I've soldered an output jack so I can put FX chains with it, and it's like tasty. I have like little percussions, uh, a lot of flutes. Recorder uh, with a beak. I have a mix table to do harsh noise and stuff like that. A lot of uh, FX pedals. This is all my gear. And I record everything on a little table in the corner of my room. Everything is done here between uh, Pokemon figurines and dust. This is not really a good uh, studio to record, but I don't have the time and the money to wait for a real studio to work on my music. I just want to create stuff. The first time I recorded with the mic of the laptop, we like to uh, press the record button and have no idea what to play. And it was awful, but so fun. I was like, I think I can do other stuff. I had a new electric guitar, a multi-effects pedal. I bought a Fast Track Pro, M-Audio Fast Track Pro. And I learned how to use it. I think the first album, I recorded it in a month. I was really obsessed by this stuff, but I didn't understand what I was doing. To mix music is a job. <laughs> you need to learn everything. And there is a science behind all this stuff. And it's hard to improvise this. There is a huge gap between my first album and the last one in terms of mixing. I feel that it's not the same person doing this music. It was like an urge to produce this stuff and I didn't want to waste my time on the same idea and in the end I need to produce more stuff and be confronted to more music and more mixing and with multiple confrontation I will learn more than putting three or four more hours on the past music. We'll dive deeper into this body of work after the break. Okay, let's talk about some aliases. And I'll apologize again that I will probably butcher every name. No problem. 
it's more stylish when you say it with your accent. <laughs> Alpha Hydrae, 11 albums. Alpha Hydrae, in the first album, it's chaotic as heck. The first tune is strict distorted overdriven guitar playing arpeggios. The second one is like a folk song. The third one is like an ambient song. The fourth one is a battle theme. The fifth is a funk song. After that, there is a cheap hip-hop instrumental and another cheap hip-hop instrumental and a folk song. It's like a lot of stuff. There is like one link. It's the bad recording <laughs> and the guitar. No real artistic direction. I don't care about this a lot, but it was not good to have albums with so many type of music. It's not user-friendly music. It's hard to use this music to reuse and remix. Years passed and I'm on a role-playing game forum, writing stories and stuff with people. And I was like, okay, I need to do a soundtrack of this forum because I love the place. And it was the first album from Komiku. It's time for adventure. Komiku, 24 albums. I use this alias for the soundtrack and I continue to use because it feels like was another direction, another way to produce music. It was more about imagining a place, a soundtrack for a video game, a tabletop RPG. I was like, Komiko is for music you can use, obviously. The five first album of Komiko is for one and unique universe. It's parodic music of role-playing game situation with acoustic instruments and there is like a lofi vibe on the recording. After that, it's the next album of Komiku. Uh, it's, uh, yes, it's Ultra Person after that. It's like for a video game, a wacky Mega Man-like video game where you destroy capitalists and fascists with uh, stones and uh, slingshot. <laughs> And after that, I've done The Girl with the Baseball Bat. I watch so many So Bad They're So Good type of movies like The Room or uh, Samurai Cop. Okay, uh, let's do a soundtrack with that in mind. After that, I've done the first Incredible Adventures volume inspired by my plushes. I like Poopy's Incredible Adventures. It's like a little plush of a little dog. It was my inspiration to do uh, 70 tracks in two weeks. I think I was unemployed at this moment and I had a lot of free time and I was super inspired. Let's go do 10 tracks a day. After that, I have the Captain Glooglu Incredible Week soundtrack. It's an actual game that exists. There is Eddie's awesome dance adventure. It's not incredible, but it's at least awesome. There is the Animal Summer Music Camp. A tale is never forgotten. It's like the music I've done for a video game that doesn't exist. The Adventure Goes On, Volume 1 and 2. And the Fuzzy Trip in Remixland Volume. 
completely made with old time recordings and public domain recordings. Mon plaisir, 69 albums. Mon plaisir, it was more a de facto name for a lot of type of project. Guitar improvisations, rock music, industrial songs, shoegaze songs, live music, soundtracks for real games, soundtrack for movies. So yeah, at some point, I used it for a lot of stuff. Soft and Furious, 15 albums. Soft and Furious is born from the acquisition of a Korg Cross synth keyboard. I had this keyboard and I was, oh, nice, I can do like form of synthwave or electronic music. The first album were created with this keyboard, not the drums, but all the other sounds. At this moment, I was really questioning my gender identity. I'm a gender fluid person and this music expressed it. I see my gender like a notion. I can't really say what gender I was yesterday and what I will be tomorrow. My identity is not the same. I was in front of those questions and it helped me a lot to uh, understand what I wanted to do in this period. I was like doubting of myself and not in a good place. The stuff I wanted to do is dive in in sound. And that was like, okay, Soft and Furious is what I see for my gender. The expression of this need to be in a notion of sound. But it's mostly like uh, ambient and synthwave-like music, but not aggressive synthwave. It's more like Soft and Furious. <laughs> Demoiselle Donner, 14 albums. Demoiselle Donner was for the really, really weird stuff. The first stuff I produced with this nickname is Dog Wave. Super cold electro techno with uh, dog screaming. And I went, okay, Demoiselle Donner will be weird stuff and mostly noisy stuff. And I've done like Dog Wave 2 and Cat Wave after that. And Pigeon Wave also. The next one will be Printer Wave. Already a lot of people told me this was like a nightmarish idea. I'm like, okay, I will do that. Beep. Frédéric Lardon, 12 albums. Frédéric Lardon is a play word with Frédéric Lardon, socialist, French economist, and Lardon, it's bacon. It's for French silly song I've done with my friend Laura Palmer. Obviously, a play world with Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. We gathered around a keyboard and just press record and play stuff. It's really bad music, but it's super fun. The first time Frédéric Lardon appeared is was for a website called Le Marathon de la Semaine, the weekly marathon. You have to produce one song every week for a period of time. You have to have like a balance between make something quick and make something good. Also, you have to make a banger. I've done an album called Music pour faire partir quelqu'un de chez soi, 
music to uh, make people leave your place. It's a lot of really, really hard and loud noises. I don't recommend to listen to it, but it exists if you need to make people leave your place. Jospin is a French politician and comme Jospin is like a really weird joke I can't explain, even in French. It's a project I've done with my friend Laura Palmé also, but it's a band, comme Jospin is a band. The first album is called Faire de la Musique. You can translate it, do the music. And the first thing we've done is a cover of The Shags, the song My Pal Foot Foot. The next album from Comme Jospin is Chante Noël, so Sing Christmas. And it's a collection of my friend and I singing French Christmas song with a really, really bad vibe. <laughs> like you lost everything, but you have a job and it's to sing Christmas song. <laughs> There is another one called L'Origine. I have a guitar with Bixby vibrato and I play like Stairway to Heaven on the guitar and my friend plays the vibrato. <laughs> So I play this music and she just bends the chord whenever she wants. And it's horrible. I love those bad stuff. It's so full of energy. But it's really hard to use as a free music. Anonymous 420, 11 albums. I imagine you are familiar with Trump Wave. So I wanted to do Macron Wave. The problem is that Trump Wave is music made to create propaganda around Trump. And I didn't want it to do that with Macron. The motto of Macron was the startup nation. When he became president, he wanted to change France into a startup nation. So it was like, okay, this dude is the spokesperson of the new wave of capitalists. I wanted to use the aesthetic of the so-called capitalist music, the one used in branded industries. It's a music you will remix for a video presentation, a PowerPoint, but you will not listen to it as music. You don't go to Shutterstock Music to listen to the playlist. And I had an issue with that. I wanted to take this music and to rebrand it to remix it, to make it music again. In particular, the first Anonymous 420 record, Upstart Nation, was a favorite of mine when we began this podcast. It's all over the ephemeral trailer, including the track you're hearing now. And I've done another album called Startup Kids, which is a remix of the demo of this keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't want you to be DMCA'd. BG du 7-2, four albums. BG du 7-2, it's a nickname I use for my French songs about being queer. If Anonymous 420 is like a soft and a round overdriven music. This one is like poetic, harsh, and really, really loud. I love harsh stuff. I don't know if you noticed. 
I do a feedback loop into my uh, mix table on the verge of feedback. And I've done a couple of gigs of this project. It's always super hard to do because I need four or five effects pedal, the mix table, keyboard, a little drum, and I need to like sing and scream. Royalty Freak Music, 17 albums. Loyalty Freak Music, a world play obviously on Royalty Free Music. When I have the idea like, okay, I want to have a library of groovy music, of lofty music, of metal music, I will do like seven or eight try of this type of music and I will release the album. I didn't know at this time it would become the name of my website. Loyaltyfreakmusic.com Guess for me this is a good name brand to have. The first one is positive attitude to try to do some happy stuff. And it's awfully hard to do positive music, not sounding like the other positive music existing. I've done like music to chill and stay awake, lo-fi groove stuff, electro music like robot dance, instrumental R&B beats to sing or rap on. I've done Halloween music. It was used a lot. The podcast You're Wrong About used one of the songs in this album. That's fun when you listen to something and it's you. Dance Floor is Lava. Four albums. Dance Floor is Lava is a project I really love but don't find a lot of ID to work on. I was really inspired by a song called Noise Girl. Disco Pathology. Dance Floor is Lava was created to try to do some stuff like that. It's noise disco, industrial dance music. And catchy, danceable at any teenage riot. Rose as a Rose Azerti, at first, was a gay album about feelings. That's why I've written in the description of the album. It's mostly true. At first, it's French song with a soft approach to rock music. I really like the idea of using low-quality software to record music, computer folk music. Rose Azerti was born with this idea. It's mostly stuff I have the urge to create and don't have a nickname in mind. A tape full of mistakes, two albums. A tape full of mistakes. It's a band with Mon Plaisir and the Attaway family plot. We send to each other a piece of music and we remixed it, put some more music into it and recreate an album. It's avant-garde noise music. Chienne errante, three albums. Chienne errante, wandering dog, you can call it. It's more about improvisation with the guitar, like what I've done mostly with Mon Plaisir, press records and try something. Cicla Woman, three albums. Cicla Woman, 
is trying to do some experimentations written by the Fluxus movement, inspired by Lamont Young, Yoko Ono, Terry Riley, Tony Conrad, stuff like that. So it was in this approach. Okay, yes. I got at least two that you didn't say. Oh, what? This one's gotta be you, because this seems like you. Tequila Moonrise? Oh, yes, I forgot Tequila Moonrise. Tequila Moonrise, one album. I have this fake music genre called Tropical God. This is a four tunes I've done with the keyboard of my grandmother. And I think I didn't found a better album title than the one I've done for Tequila Moonrise, which is I Hate Myself and I Want to Tie and Die. I don't know if this is you either, but I feel like this is you, Stennifer. Yes, this is me too. Stennifer, four albums. The first album is for the Foam Challenge, the February album writing month, where you have to record 14 tracks in one month. My challenge is to do it in one day. But Stennifer became a band after that. And it's more like Beastie Boys, harsh industrial-like music. The first one is Demain est enlevé, Tomorrow is Cancelled. It's like rhythm box with guitar, bass and vocals with a lot of feedback loops. Anarchist, anti-capitalist, anti-fascist songs recorded in a studio. The only other one that I've got on here that, that you didn't say, I'm not going to better say this, Captain... Glue Glue and son joli clavier. Captain Glue Glue and son joli clavier. Captain Glue Glue and son joli clavier. One album. So this is Captain Glue Glue, the little alpaca. There are like a playlist of videos of Captain Glue Glue playing the keyboard. It was just for fun. I don't think Captain Glue Glue will play another album because the plush was like really really sparkly and beautiful at the moment where I recorded the videos and uh, now time passed by and Captain Glue Glue is grayer now How do you regiment your music production, your creativity. What's your regiment like to get all this stuff done? Big part of my discography was made during the period I was unemployed, like for two years. Now I have a day job at the administration of a music school in the evening. So I use the morning mostly to do my music. I'm not a, a night bird. I was, but I'm not now. I'm more a morning bird. I love morning. <laughs> You can do everything in the morning. <laughs> do you record like every day? When I was unemployed, I recorded every day. Now I record like one or two times a week. I'm so stressed by my day job and the situation globally that I didn't add the space in my head to uh, think about music, to create a lot of music. But also this last 10 years, I've produced more than 200 albums. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> How much did you do in these last two years? A 91 album in these last two years. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like you had too much of a creative block. I'm sorry your J drive is not the, <laughs> like no stress and, and the pandemic where you dance stuff. I mean, I know a lot of artists that are working hard, but like I don't know anybody that's producing work like you. No, no, no. I get I get why you say that too. And um, yeah. I yeah. guess I'm saying in a nutshell, don't be so hard on yourself. Yes, this is a problem. I, I know this is a problem. I have a producing problem. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> But I wouldn't call it a problem. I would call it a gift. You've tapped into something in yourself that a lot of people dream of. And I think a lot of times when you're in the middle of something like that, like you apparently have been for at least 10 years or whatever, and probably longer, it's sort of hard to see the forest for the trees, if, if that expression translates. It can be hard to appreciate when you're inside of it. But yeah, that's that's the muse, right? I mean, that's you've got... You've got them used by the collar. So yes. whatever you're doing, just like, don't mess it up. Just, you know, <laughs> and it'll keep changing. And maybe you make less albums, maybe make one, you know, I'm sure it seems like you have no shortage of ideas, but it is sort of baffling amount of creativity located in an individual. I mean, I think that's maybe part of why you had to split into so many personalities. Yes. I need to have some place where I can fit these ideas and process it because there is so many a way to produce music and uh, I feel that I have a producing issue because uh, when I'm not producing I'm uh, hating myself and uh, you know it's like uh, I have uh, internalized a capitalist pressure in me and uh, I don't like it some people uh, struggle to just uh, release one song because they are like in a perfectionist way I don't care myself. I don't care to make the perfect things. I just want to put it out of my head and just, okay, the idea is here. It doesn't clip. Okay. <laughs> Let's release it. If I want it to clip, uh, there is no problem. But the last two years, I struggled to find this producing muse. I'm still having like a more productive uh, way to work than other people, but... I feel I've lost the momentum. I've lost the flow, you know? Gotta be in your own head. That just, like, the evidence does not mm. suggest that. So I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, mm. but that's no, really no, no. sort of, that's a hard pill to swallow. Oh, maybe it's not the momentum, but I think I've lost something these last two years. That's why I produced less album this last year. Also, I'm not uh, as happy as before uh, with my music. I'm less in peace, but it's like my music has its own quality. And yes, I think there is like good albums. Maybe, maybe I'm too hard on myself. <laughs> And this is the, just the problem. A lot of the time, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm on the computer and uh, I'm singing And after that, I'm tell. okay, this is this will be the notes. I'll try that. I'll try that. Do you mean it. like singing out like the parts of the song? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a really good way to improvise stuff. I have like a tons of memo on my cell phone of me singing between the line of cars. This is super hard to listen. <laughs> See, I think that a lot of us have that, myself included. The difference is the huge hey hit and then you, you so, so much of it gets through that it becomes a thing that's, and then not even that you just make it, but that you actually put it out there. 
mm. and that you and that you get it into people's ears and hands and you let people do things with it, which I want to talk to you more about too. But like, that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's a significant difference. I mean, those things are almost opposites, right? And you know, when at first I've produced like an album a year, it's sped up with time. <laughs> at some point, a friend gave me a challenge to produce like four track in the weekend. There was the first form February album writing months where I've recorded the album Baiser de Sonora by Mon Plaisir. And I recorded this album in uh, one day, uh, no, uh, 28 hour. And after that, I kept this way of producing music because I was at this period unemployed and I had a lot of instrument and space to create music. It became my routine after that. I used Reaper to record my music and it's like an extension of me. I finish a track, I render it, and after that, I create a new project. Maybe I go to the bathroom or something, or I take a break because my fingers are like a bit hurt because I've played like five hours of guitar. But after that, I just continue. Even though I have no idea what I'm going to do, I will finish the day with something. Uh, in terms of when you are starting a project, Do you usually start with a, a genre utility in mind or do you sort of work and assign that after the fact? I think I'm more a copycat than anything. I try to copy things most of the time. If I found something I really like, I try to do it myself. At some point, I was really into uh, Melt Banana, Japanese hardcore band, and uh, I wanted to do hardcore. So I tried to do a uh, noisy hardcore stuff. It's like in my early work. After that, I had a fluxus period where I tried to uh, reproduce the vibe of uh, the eternal theater of music. Are there any genres that you have in mind that you would like to work in? Genres or utilities or uses that you haven't yet that, you, that are like on your wish list? A printer wave. <laughs> I want to do uh, the soundtrack of video games. I love to work on this type of utilitarian music. Right now, I'm uh, doing some live on Twitch where I compose music live for games that doesn't exist. But now I'm more into thinking about not working on producing music, but uh, writing about music and mostly about philosophy of music. Maybe we can talk about it more later because this can be a big subject. So working in video games film, video, stuff like that. Do you do a fair amount of composing specifically for other people's projects? Yes, I like to do that and I want to do it more. I've done couples of movie projects. The biggest one I've done is American Dreams. I released the soundtrack in 2018. After that, I had a lot more commissions for student projects. I had some soundtrack to do for games. It's super fun to do. I really like working on real game. <laughs> It's not the same. Like I can't imagine by myself all the situations. You have to be prepared and to understand how works video game engine. And uh, it's like super interesting and give a lot of opportunities. With all this music, why do you give so much of it away for free? Because I can. <laughs> First, I want a better world with a lot of public domain stuff and I want to contribute. But it's not like the only reason. 
the biggest argument for me to put music into Creative Commons and for free is because I'm really bad at communicating with people and advertise my music. I don't like to do this and I don't want to do this because I see what happens when people do it. Most of the time, I don't like when labels or bands are like really uh, out publicly like, yeah, this new album, this new album, this new album. I'm just, no, uh, I don't like to do that. Maybe people like to do it, but me, I, I don't want it. But if I can put my music like remixable for everyone and um, shareable and uh, stuff like that, maybe uh, people will do this for me. <laughs> and it happened. Freeing the music uh, allows you to have access to spaces where people want music, like Free Music Archive or Jamendo. People here sometimes for listening to the music because there is like a ton of excellent music on Free Music Archive. But a lot of people come because they want music for a placeholder for video games, movies, podcasts. This is the place to be if you want to have people wanting to listen to you. The way I thought about it, it was like, okay, I want to share my music with people. I don't mind having remixes of my music. It's like fun. I want to, to see when and where people can use my music. I want to be the closest to the public domain. I can be. So you can use my music in a non-commercial way and in a commercial way too, without attribution. Now I appear in all the layers of the uh, search engine in Free Music Archive. <laughs> you can't miss me because I'm everywhere. What do, you, what do you think about commercial use of your work? No problem with that. People need music and want to commercialize their projects. I mean, we live in a capitalist society. We need to make money. I really don't mind this use of my music. If you can send me 10 bucks at some point, uh, I don't mind too, but uh, I don't mind if you don't. I really like people using my music because I feel like they love it and uh, I'm happy. What's your relationship with this music once you've put it out there? I'm a bit egotistic. I like to listen to my music, mostly because the music I create is the music I want to listen to. Some albums I prefer than others, but most of the time I listen to an album I didn't listen to and was thinking, okay, this is not my best day, and the album is good. I'm not crying over it, or I'm not like submerged by emotion, but I'm like, okay, you did the best you could at this moment, and I hear it. Sometimes I listen to my music and I'm not thinking that it's my music. I've done a lot, so I don't remember everything. I think this is why I have so many nicknames too. When I listen to uh, these old albums, I feel like it's a part of me, but now it's not mine anymore. This episode of Ephemeral was written and assembled by Alex Williams with producers Max Williams and Trevor Young and additional editing from Jesse Funk. Special thanks to Annie Reese for pronouncing all those artists' names for me. The work of Rosa Zerti and all their various pseudonyms can be found at loyaltyfreakmusic.com 
including information about reusing this music in your own projects or commissioning Rose for original works. Our next episode will be out July 4th. Until then, follow us on social media at Ephemeral Show. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.